You are listening to The Current Daily, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, July 15th. Technically, I am on vacation today, tomorrow, and Friday, but I will still be bringing you the lovely podcast content that you've come to expect and enjoy. Don't worry, I'm not leaving you in the lurch. Coming up, we'll hear from Valerie Politar about Cloud Labs. But let's start with even more good news. The feds have rescinded their recent ruling saying that international students would lose their visa if they aren't taking in-person classes. We previously reported that 18 states and a bunch of universities, including the UC system, Cal State, and California community college systems filed lawsuits challenging that policy. We also learned yesterday that more than a dozen big tech companies like Google, Facebook, and Twitter also voiced their support for the lawsuits, arguing the policy would harm their businesses. So maybe the involvement of deep-pocketed industry finally tipped the scale. But we here at the Current Daily Podcast have another theory. We've been discussing it pretty regularly on our airwaves, and we know a lot of influential members of the administration are avid listeners to what we have to say. But on a serious note, this is a good development for our students, and hopefully one less thing for them to have to worry about as we all try to figure out how to make it through this COVID situation. And speaking of one less thing to worry about, that also goes for the new UC System President, Dr. Michael Drake. You'll recall the virtual meet-and-greet that was planned for last Friday morning. We've posted a recording of that session in the Extras section on the homepage of The Current. I highly recommend listening, particularly when Dr. Drake gets to talking about the merits of Biggie and Tupac. And now, a great conversation with my boss, Valerie, about the Cloud Labs initiative that was started at the start of this entire pandemic. This is well worth the listen. I hope you enjoy. I am very happy to include on today's podcast our Director of Academic Technology Services, Dr. Valerie Politar. Thank you so much for talking to us. My pleasure. Good to be with you. I know that your time is very valuable. We'll try not to take too much of it. How have you been spending your time away from campus? How's exile been for you? It's actually been very productive for me. Um, I found, to my surprise, that telecommuting is very effective for me. I'm able to focus. I'm very fortunate to have my own space. I don't have too many distractions around, and that's just an extremely privileged position to be in. And because of that, I've been able to get work done that has been backed up for a while, so it's actually pretty exciting to me. I hate the reason for it, but I'm glad that I'm in a situation to take advantage of it. Yeah, it's always good to acknowledge what we can be grateful about. The cats aren't a distraction? They're pretty good now. The first few weeks, they were so excited that they were home, that they were in our laps constantly and trying to walk on the keyboard. (laughs) But they've gotten used to it now, and so they're napping through the day like they used to. Yeah, Myla tends to just find the tiniest piece of paper on the floor to squeeze herself to sit on. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) So that moment back in early March, before March 12th, when you realized the scope of the changes that were Mm -hmm. about to befall us, what was that like? What did you think at that time? 
You know, I immediately went into two different modes, part of me thinking, okay, what tools and resources do we have to have in place for our employees? And then what tools and resources do we have to have in place to keep instruction and research going? Do you ever find those three different elements at odds with each other in terms of tools and resources that are needed? Sometimes, although the honest conflicts are really more to do with employees' home life and home needs and the kind of support that you need to get through a difficult time, especially as you know, if you've got kids at home or if you've got elder care or if you have competing internet demands from a large number of family members, those are far more of the issue than really so much between what we need to do in good instruction and research. We've talked a lot about work from home and also teaching and learning remotely, but we haven't been able, I haven't talked to Claire yet, so we haven't talked much about research in this period. Is there anything that we should know about how that's going so far? Claire can give you lots of great examples, but what I will say is that it's continuing probably just as busy as it's ever been, if not busier. We do see an increased number of faculty members looking to see what they can do in the cloud. They actually have had uh, some interest in access to some of our instructional tools to use those for research. And there's a lot of complicated demands on them trying to conduct their research either from home or in the process now of coming back with return to research and all the restrictions on that process. So they have a lot of questions and a lot of needs and of course the usual constant steady flow of demand and our team is doing a great job of helping them out. You brought up the cloud. That will dovetail right into the actual topic for today, which is the Cloud Labs project. I think that before people can really understand what Cloud Labs is, it is really important to talk about the role that our almost 200 on-campus labs have played, both in matriculated instruction as well as any other kinds of projects, and how we suddenly lost that capability. Absolutely. So, you know, we have, as you said, these nearly 200 rooms that have computers in them running all kinds of custom software. Those are used by undergraduates, certainly in their classes, but also by graduate students, both in their classes and in the completion of their advanced degrees. And it's not just software in these rooms. We have all kinds of specialized equipment. The things that come to mind immediately are things like microscopes that are attached to to computers. But we have all kinds of interesting, complex equipment from musical equipment, theater light controls and sound controls. We have 3D printers and 3D scanners. So you put an object in and it scans it for later 3D printing. All kinds of things that are extremely difficult, if not impossible, to do anywhere else. Students can't do them in their homes. So when this all first happened, we were well aware that we could only take on part of the problem for now. And we'll have to think about some, we've got some new creative challenges for the next year to think about as we move forward. Part of what you're talking about, this last minute need to address a portion of these problems, largely, of course, software-based, things that you could replicate remotely, is to take those lab environments that we were talking about normally on campus and virtualize them, create a virtual environment that students could access from wherever they are. And that became Cloud Labs. The first thing I want to know, was a completely virtualized version of our on-campus labs anything we ever thought we were ever going to have to do? Yep, it absolutely was. We've been talking about it for about, I would say, almost two years. 
and we had been just getting started on some serious pilots to see the different qualities of the products that are out there. There's not a lot of people in the space yet, but there's a few vendors. And we didn't have results yet of those pilots. So we were really starting somewhat blind, but we had been talking about it. We had a good sense that we could replace some features of these public labs. The software being a key one, the idea that you could make use of a more powerful computer than the one you might have in front of you. You could leverage it through the cloud, through these virtual connections. That was another one. And we also knew that there were things that, as I said, that we can't accomplish yet. But as far as any kind of strategizing, even selecting a vendor, we weren't there. That happened in incredibly short time. We basically had vendors selected and purchase orders cut within about a week and a half. And by the end of three weeks, we had Cloud Labs up and running. Is that kind of procurement unheard of? It's not unheard of, but we definitely had to do some quick dancing. And full credit to Adam Tillman and Sean Osterthaler, who did a lot of hard work to make that happen, as well as our purchasing group to facilitate that. There were a lot of conditions that were, I won't say waived, but they understood that it was a COVID situation and we needed to make things happen fast. But I think in the long run, the decision making is one of the hardest things to do at times like this. And the team involved in Cloud Labs had to make decision after decision after decision. Which vendors do we go with? Do we go with multiple vendors? What do we do about software that we can't get to? through one of these vendors. So we had another solution for them. What do we do about various products licensing, which might or might not accommodate cloud use? If we have to expand a license, how much do we expand it by? How many seats do we need to purchase in each of these cloud products? There were hundreds of decisions. Every single software product had its own decision set with it. We support over 300 pieces of software in the labs, and we were able to get over 100 of them into cloud labs in short order and then have been backfilling with the rest that have been required all along. So it's been nonstop thinking, considering, problem solving, and decision making for the team. And it's still going on. It's still going on. And this is quite aside from the technical problems, which were, you know, fairly hefty as well. Some of the vendors had no idea how to think about licensing for the cloud. They'd never really contemplated it before. And so I know that Miriam was very busy trying to make negotiations with them and Sean's team as well to try to find the right price or get them to agree to allow us to use the product. So in addition to having two cloud providers, Amazon and Aporto, we also had to do some creative problem solving and eventually used Guacamole, which is a tool to effectively create a virtual desktop to a machine that's actually physically sitting in a lab on campus. And we did that both for some of our Linux software and some of our Linux environments, but also for some of our Windows and Mac environments where that was the only way to get a license to work. We also had some performance issues in these various different environments. And that last guacamole environment where you're doing a virtual desktop, it's not super fast. And of course, as we discovered with the Adobe package of products, which are chiefly used for things like video editing, photography editing, um, music, that became extremely challenging. So maybe you can tell us a little bit. I know you spent a lot of time working with instructors and trying to solve some of these complicated problems for the Adobe products. To bring up Adobe Creative Cloud, yeah, that has been a massive challenge. We could not virtualize their products, both because they would not allow us to and 
Also, it just wouldn't work anyway. Their products are just too big. They require too many computing resources. And well, what we've done so far for Adobe to a very limited degree is using that guacamole to connect to two labs on campus, SME and Sequoia, mm -hmm. that have Adobe on there. But because, again, they're such vast programs, the latency issues with it, it's just a huge huge challenge. We're still coming up with solutions for that. Yeah, that's It's led to some really creative thinking, though, because there's been a lot of discussion about, are there alternate products we can use? Are there cases where the latency is acceptable? Are there cases, you know, applications where it's not and we need to think outside the box? We also leveraged the fact that Adobe gave us free access for a little while. Unfortunately, that is no more. Since we're having this conversation, I know you you spent a lot of your time on Cloud Labs in the last couple of months. When we first got it started to kind of help the team out, I dived in and was um, answering tickets. And so I interacted a lot with faculty and in those early days. And uh, you got quickly sucked into that as well. And you've been working very closely with faculty and TAs. You know, I found it actually a very rewarding experience. And I wonder if you, if you could tell us a little bit about um, kind of what surprised you about the interactions with faculty and maybe speak a little bit to the resilience of our, our faculty and, and TAs. Yeah, well, you know, one thing that makes a huge difference, just making the effort to reach out on a personalized level, and this is a difficult thing, because how do you scale that, really? But to some degree, I was able to do that, and so are you. We sat down with spreadsheets. Some of these faculty were just going to have to contact directly. One thing I noticed is that if a ticket seemed like it was going to be a challenge, as soon as you got this faculty member on email or on Zoom and talked them through everything, some of those are the best conversations because they are genuinely looking for the best thing for their students. And as soon as you can communicate that we want that as well, and we're both working toward that same right. goal, it really changes the tone of the <laughs> conversation. And it also opens up faculty. You know, faculty can be very flexible. And I think that that can apply to whatever tools we can offer, even if those tools happen to be different than what they're used to, especially in a pandemic. I, I don't think I'm alone in the assumption or the fear that it was going to be very challenging to work with instructors who may have been used to doing things a certain way for a very long time. Right. And it turns out that that's very much in the minority. Like what I have seen, and these are faculty across the spectrum of how long they have been teaching, what I've seen them take on something completely new, out of comfort level, and right. become successful and, and ensure that their students have an education. And so that has been really, honestly, it, it, it's been very impressive. I've really enjoyed every bit of that. I think one of the things that's most amazing to me is that they are doing this while coping with all the same challenges that the rest of us are. So we had staff who rose to the challenge despite you know, having difficult working situations at home. And we had faculty rising to the challenge as well. And students, frankly, rising to the challenge of having to learn in these environments. When you think of it that way, the number of complaints was surprisingly small. Mm -hmm. And people, I think, 
certainly I will credit the great customer service that they got from our EdTech team, but they quickly adapted and found ways to teach. I mentioned before that there are all, all this specialized equipment in a large percentage of our, our labs. And of course, they didn't have access to that this, this semester and, and this summer. And what they did was come up with innovative ways to teach the things that they would have taught using that equipment. So, you know, they had a single grad student in a chemistry lab demoing an experiment that they would normally have the students participate in. We know that's not ideal and long term. We're going to be looking into some innovative ways to make it possible for people to participate in experiments, participate in some of these maker type of experiences from a distance. That's, I think, one of the ways that we're going to be able to meet some of the demands of online learning as we go forward. So it's actually an interesting challenge, but to have to do that by the seat of your pants with no warning. Our team spun up Cloud Labs in three weeks, which is mind-blowing. At the same time, faculty were spinning up remote finals with about two days notice, and then remote instruction with with about two weeks notice. And that is equally challenging, if not more so. And I, I have to say, you know, like I would never wish a pandemic on anybody. I would never wish these hard times on anyone. It's been a brutal year. It will have a long-term impact. But it is exciting to be part of a positive movement to be part of a solution at a time like this. Um, it does make you feel like you have some agency, some control over an otherwise uncontrollable situation. And it's so inspiring to see the creativity and the dedication of everybody involved. I was blown away by all the staff who had anything to do with Cloud Labs. I just, every single day they would show up, all of you with, you know, 100%, no matter what was happening at home, no matter what challenges you were personally facing. And I am, you know, I'm be forever grateful that the, the school could not have moved forward without it. I think this is a good time to say like what I'm really looking forward to now over the fall is now it's still going to be very challenging, but we now have a precedent. We now have a base of knowledge that we can build on and improve on and make mm -hmm. it much better. I yeah. think the same can be said for Cloud Labs. I think that's true. Absolutely true. Well, uh, we could keep going, but I know you have another meeting. Thank, <laughs> Thank you so you. much for talking. My pleasure. It's Very been, exciting to talk yeah. to you. Yes, absolutely. And I'll talk to you later. All right. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.